leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. One of the reasons for the high cost of drug development is that most drugs fail in clinical development. Even though preclinical testing can provide good insight into whether a drug hits an intended target, once in the body, drugs can interact with a large number of proteins and have unintended consequences. A-Alpha-Bio, a spin-out from the University of Washington's Institute for Protein Design and Center for Synthetic Biology, is developing a platform that can measure thousands of protein interactions simultaneously and how drugs affect them. We spoke to David Younger, co-founder and CEO of A-Alpha, about the company's platform, the bottleneck in drug development it's addressing, and the business model it's pursuing. David, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having me, Denny. We're going to talk about drug discovery, why it takes as long and is as costly as it is, and the work A-Alpha is doing to accelerate the process. Let's start with the problem A-Alpha is trying to address, though. What are the challenges in drug discovery today? Where are the bottlenecks in the process? Yeah, well, so one of the big challenges with drug, drug discovery and, and drug development is the complexity of biology. Um, so drugs are are typically designed uh, to act in, in very specific ways, uh, but obviously once a, a patient takes that drug, it's free to act on, on any other, other, other system um, that, that can cause potentially very, very dangerous side effects. And one of the areas of enormous complexity uh, is, is, is involved in, in sort of proteins and, and protein interactions. Um, so humans are, are, uh, c- consist of, of thousands of, of proteins that interact in huge numbers of, of protein interactions, and it's often very difficult to predict how a drug is going to interface with, with those proteins and, and with those protein interactions, um, and, and to predict ways in, in, in which those, uh, those drugs might cause dangerous side effects. Um, and so at A-Alpha-Bio, we have developed a technology that allows us to screen the effect of a drug on thousands of, of protein interactions simultaneously in order to better predict how a drug is going to behave uh, in, in a clinical setting. One of the, the big cost drivers continues to be the high rate of failure in, in drug development. Most drugs that make it through preclinical development will, will still fail in the clinic. Often this is not because of the fact that they're not able to hit their intended target, but be, because of these off-target side effects. How, how big a problem is that? It's an enormous problem. 
So nine out of 10 drugs that, that enter clinical trials uh, will end up failing. And um, not, not all of these failures are, are because of, of off-target effects, but a considerable number of, of them are. Um, and this ends up amounting to multiple billions of dollars wasted per new drug that, that's developed. Um, so this creates an enormous burden uh, for drug developers, uh, but then also for the healthcare system as, as a whole. Um, so anything that we can do to identify drugs that are, are inevitably going to fail earlier in, in the pipeline uh, is, is incredibly valuable for, for the industry. Ultimately, the, the driver is, is, is data. Um, so we, we need to develop new, uh, new technologies, new approaches for gathering extraordinary amounts of data as early as possible so that pharmaceutical companies can make more informed decisions. And before we dig into your specific platform, let's talk about something that, that should be quite obvious. But what is the, the role between drugs and proteins? I mean, proteins are essentially the target that most drugs are going after. Is that correct? So a, a lot of drugs are targeted at proteins. Um, so sometimes these are, are drugs that are, that are disrupting uh, enzymes. Um, sometimes they're drugs that are, that are disrupting protein interactions um, or, or bringing proteins together for, for a therapeutic effect. Uh, but many drugs are proteins. Um, so antibody-based drugs, peptide-based drugs, um, are, are using uh, proteins as, as therapeutic modalities. And it's, while it's easy in terms of drug development technology today to determine the effect uh, a drug candidate will have on a specific protein, why is it complicated to know how it will act upon a world of proteins in the body? Yeah, well, so it, it sort of comes down to the technologies that, that exist for evaluating the effect of, of drugs. So if, if a drug developer knows that they're trying to, for example, disrupt a, a particular protein interaction, um, what they can do is they can purify the two proteins that, that they're trying to, to disrupt and then screen drugs to identify which drugs disrupt that particular interaction. Um, so this is not hugely costly uh, because only two proteins need to be purified um, and, and because one drug can be, can be tested at, at a time and, and, and that, you know, that's, that sort of fits with common high-throughput screening approaches. Where the challenge really comes in is, is when you need to evaluate specificity. Um, so now you're not just dealing with a single protein interaction. Now maybe you're, you're dealing with thousands or, or millions of, of protein interactions. Um, the the infrastructure and time and, and cost associated with purifying all of those proteins and individually screening a drug against all of those protein interactions um, is is just not not tractable. So I mean, really, what's required is a uh, a higher throughput approach that allows for screening of candidate drugs on whole protein interaction networks uh, in a in a much more efficient system. Um, and, so, and so that's that's what we're focusing on at, at A Alpha Bio. Your academic research focused on agglutination. What, what is agglutination and how did that work lead you to the platform you're developing? Yeah, so agglutination is uh, sort of the, the sticking together of, of two cells, um, which happens uh, in, in many, many different uh, organisms, many different cell types. Uh, the cell type that we're focused on is, is cerevisiae, so yeast. Um, the same same organism that you use to, to make beer or, or bread, 
Um, and, and yeast naturally agglutinates, um, and specifically it agglutinates in, in the context of, of mating. So yeast have haploid mating types, MAT-A and MAT-alpha cells. And when these two mating types are mixed in a liquid culture, they physically stick to each other. Um, so this is the process called, called agglutination. And that process is mediated by proteins that are expressed on the surface of MAT-A and MAT-alpha and MAT cells. Um, and so what we've done is, is taken a synthetic biology approach where we re-engineer these yeast cells at, at a DNA level to start with a, a behavior that's similar to what we want and end up building a functional tool that, that can be used uh, to, to sort of test biology in, in, in new important ways. So what we're able to do is replace the native proteins that, that cause agglutination with other proteins. So they could be human proteins, they could be engineered proteins, and then we can evaluate whether or not the proteins interact with one another by observing whether or not the cells agglutinate. A-Alpha's platform is called AlphaSeq. It's used for a variety of drug development applications. What does it do? So AlphaSeq uh, allows us to mix large libraries of, of proteins, so large numbers of, of proteins, and in a single tube evaluate all of the pairwise interactions b between those proteins. Um, and importantly, not only can we tell whether or not the proteins interact, but we also get quantitative information about the strength of those protein interactions. Uh, and so we are a, a very new startup. Um, we recently spun out of, of the University of Washington's Institute for Protein Design and Center for Synthetic Biology. And one of our big challenges is, is to sort of narrow down exactly what the, the focus uh, what, what, what the, the key application areas of, of our technology are, are going to be. Uh, protein interactions are ubiquitous in, in biology. They govern cell signaling, apoptosis, immune regulation, uh, infect, in, infectious disease, protein degradation. Um, and so there are a number of different places where we can apply this, this technology. Um, and, and we sort of have, have some, some ideas uh, about some of the, the really exciting applications, but our real focus right now is, is to, to find uh, needs within the pharmaceutical industry for large-scale characterization of protein interaction networks. Uh, how does the platform work? What, what's the process of, of actually using it? Once we build up libraries of, of yeast cells that are expressing different, different proteins, um, the, the process is, is, is very simple. Um, so we take those yeast cells and we mix them in, in a liquid culture. Um, it's very important that they stay mixing um, so that any interactions between cells uh, are governed by protein interactions rather than the cells settling. Um, and then once we have let the cells incubate and, and grow together for a, a certain amount of time, uh, the strong protein interactions will have resulted in, in some haploids mating and, and, and forming diploid cells. Uh, so once uh, once that's happened, we can isolate those diploid cells and use next-generation sequencing to basically identify all of the different relative interaction strengths between proteins by seeing which diploids formed due to, to different interactions. Um, so, for example, if we have uh, one pair of proteins that interacts very, very strongly and another pair of proteins that interacts very, very weakly, we would expect lots of diploids to result from the strong interaction and very few diploids to result from the weak interaction. 
So from next generation sequencing, we can count the number of diploids that form because of those interactions and use that to quantitatively measure the relative interaction strengths between those proteins. Then sort of taking that one step, step forward, if we want to evaluate the effect of a drug on a large protein interaction network, all we need to do is add that drug into the mixture and see how it affects every one of those potentially thousands or, or, or more protein interactions. Have you found any unexpected results using this process, or have you kind of back-tested it to, to see if you would have discovered a problem that, that became a very expensive one later for a pharmaceutical company? Yeah, so that's, that, that's exactly the, the approach that, that we're taking. So we're, we're starting by uh, benchmarking uh, our, our, our platform with very well-characterized protein interaction networks and very well-characterized drugs. Uh, and so the pathway that we've been focusing on uh, so far is the BCL2 apoptosis regulatory pathway. Um, so it's a, a network of protein interactions that uh, govern apoptosis and have been uh, very common targets apoptosis for the pharmaceutical Apoptosis being cell death? Yes, yes, uh, yes. So, so uh, it, it's a pathway that, that controls cell death. Um, so it's very important for, uh, for cancer therapeutics um, where you want to uh, uh, encourage uh, cancerous cells to die, uh, but it's also important for autoimmune uh, diseases where you want to prevent uh, uh, cert certain cells, cells from dying. And so by manipulating different protein interactions in, in this network, um, you can either develop therapeutics for, for cancers or, or for autoimmune diseases. And so what we've done is build up that protein interaction network, uh, validate that we see all of the interactions that, that we expect, uh, and then add in known drugs that are very well characterized that knock out different protein interactions in, in this network to validate that, that we do, in fact, uh, uh, see the, the expected results, but in a much more holistic way where we not only evaluate whether or not it affects the intended interaction, uh, but we can also see all of the off-target effects of, of these compounds. Um, and so... Fortunately, this is a pathway that has a number of very well-characterized drugs, including a number that have been developed by AbbVie, most notably Navitaclax and Venetoclax, two drugs that have very different levels of specificity for their targets. You're using genetically engineered yeast. What's the benefit of using yeast, and can you engineer them to essentially have any human protein attached to them? So the, the benefit of, of using yeast is that they're very easy to work with. Um, they uh, are, are a, a model organism that has been uh, used for, for many decades uh, to, to test uh, a, a number of, of different biological systems, but many of them fo focus on, on, on proteins. Um, so we're utilizing yeast surface display, um, which is a, a technique, again, that's been, that, that, that was developed uh, decades ago, um, that allows you to, to basically display any protein of interest on the surface of, of yeast cells. Um, and so uh, really the, the benefit of, of using yeast is that all of that background work, all of that background literature is, already exists, and, and, and we can build, build on top of it. Um, there are some challenges with, with uh, a human proteins. So um, there, there are some limitations to, to the system. So human uh, proteins have uh, a very particular post-translational modifications. And so when using yeast, um, because they're eukaryotic, we get 
much more similar, much uh, fairly similar expression, uh, especially compared to a bacterial expression system. Um, but uh, th there are some things that we can do to, to humanize these cells uh, to get the proteins to, to look even more like, like the exact uh, human proteins. What information are you able to get better and faster with this process? So the, the technologies that exist today for characterizing protein-protein interactions that are very accurate uh, require that proteins are, are purified and measured individually in, in a, a single well of, of a plate. Uh, and so what we're able to do is, because we can build large libraries of, of proteins and characterize all of their interactions simultaneously, uh, we can generate huge amounts of, of data compared to, to what's currently possible. So there are some current cell-based approaches, like, like these two hybrid, uh, that are used for measuring protein interactions. Uh, but the problem with, with these approaches is, is that they've shown very poor accuracy. Uh, and what we, what we have sort of hypothesized is that this is because those approaches are measuring protein interactions inside of cells, um, where there are many other proteins, lots of other chemicals. It's very hard to control that environment. So because we're measuring protein interactions on the surface of cells, uh, we basically isolate the proteins from the complex intracellular environment, but then this also allows us to manipulate that environment, to, to control the extracellular environment by, for example, adding drugs and, and seeing what effect they have on, on the interactions. As you mentioned, you're a spin-out from the University of Washington. You're actually a spin-out of the Institute for Protein Design and the Center for Synthetic Biology. Was your intent when you went to UW to create a company? How did it come about? Uh, so not not necessarily to create a company. So I, I I knew going into into graduate school that I wanted to develop technology that had uh, a large utility. Um, and and so the the way that that the project started was recognizing certain bottlenecks within uh, the field of of protein engineering. So the Institute for Protein Design uh, and and David Baker's lab have have become incredibly good at computationally designing proteins. Uh, so a, a researcher in, in the lab can design thousands or, or, or more proteins on, on a computer. Um, but then the real bottleneck occurs when they have to screen those proteins experimentally. Um, unfortunately, uh, even though the field has gotten, uh, uh, you know, the, the, has, has come, you know, leaps and bounds, um, it's still necessary to, to experimentally screen proteins to make sure that they're behaving in, in the desired way. Um, and so uh, the, the sort of project that, that I took on was to develop experimental tools that could improve the, the throughput and, and reduce this bottleneck by being able to characterize thousands of, of proteins at once instead of having to characterize each one individually. Neither you or your co-founder have business experience. What's the transition? What's the transition like for a scientist to think and operate within a business world? What What have the challenges been for you? Yeah, there, I mean, there have been there have been a lot. Um, it, it it really is learning a, a whole new language, um, a, a ton of of new skills. Uh, but it's it's been a, a fantastic journey. 
Um, and, and ultimately, we have received so much support from the University of Washington community and, and the Seattle community, uh, which have really made, made this possible. Um, so we've received funding from the University of Washington that has, has allowed us to, to really focus our time on commercialization instead of just technical development. Uh, we have worked closely with the, the uh, Burke Center for, for Entrepreneurship uh, and, and the, the business school here, here on campus uh, to gain some, some of these skills and, and be matched with, with mentors who have been incredibly uh, helpful uh, for, for getting us up, up to speed on, on the business side. Uh, and then very recently, we were awarded uh, a small business innovation research grant from the National Science Foundation, uh, which has allowed us to actually spin out and, and open our, our own operations. And so, uh, you know, we still have a lot to learn, uh, but it, it's really been a, a very, very strong local community that, that's gotten us this far. What's the the business plan? Are you expecting to discover and develop your own drugs? Are you seeking partnerships? And are you thinking about doing this as a fee for service business? Yeah, so we're we're starting uh, by 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 partnering. Um, so we we want to work with pharmaceutical companies who are developing drugs uh, that either act on protein interactions or involve proteins that that are that are interacting with other proteins, um, and and help. Uh, basically develop uh, platforms that will assist in, in their drug development projects. Um, so, so starting with, with that sort of a, a partnering model. Um, and this is partnering both with pharmaceutical companies, but also with contract research organizations that are providing services to, to a, a number of, of pharmaceutical companies. Uh, down the road, we would, we would definitely love to, to start our own drug discovery uh, programs um, which will still likely involve very close partnerships with with bigger pharma, um, but yeah, I mean there there are uh, at, at this point a, a number of of different directions that that the company can take. Uh, as you alluded to, you've had some early success getting access to non dilutive funding, in, including the the awards you mentioned. There's also a a more recent SBIR grant. How far does this money take you, and what's the financing plan? Yeah, so this, this, uh, the SBIR, uh, will, uh, basically keep our, our current operations going for another, another 11 months. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, we, we are looking to partner with, with pharmaceutical companies to, to extend that runway. Um, ideally, I mean, we, we would like, like to take this non-dilutive for, for as long as possible, at least until we identify the key applications, the, the, the key areas where, where we want to hit with, with this technology. Um, and then once we have, have identified those and, and are ready to sort of hit the ground running with, with those applications, um, that, that's when, when we'll start to, start to look for, for dilutive uh, fundraising uh, and, and really uh, start to grow the company. David Younger, founder and CEO of A-Alpha Bio. David, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Danny. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.